Time to bring in John Rash and DJ Tice from the Star Tribune editorial board, playing politics, part of this radio station for a long, long time. They're both with us on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Gentlemen, always a pleasure to chat with both of you. I want to talk about a couple stories early and get your opinions and also the debate on how you cover these stories also. Let's start with uh, Brianna Birschbach's story in the Star Tribune that went up online yesterday. Uh, four months before legal marijuana now party candidate Adam Weeks died in September, he told a close friend that he had been recruited by Republicans to draw votes away from Democrats. Just reading a couple graphs here. In a May 20th voicemail provided the Tribune, Weeks told a longtime friend that Republicans in the 2nd District approached him two weeks before the filing deadline to run for Congress in hopes he'd pull votes away from incumbent Angie Craig. John, start with you. The significance of the story and then how much the paper has to verify something like this, which can be a very, very powerful accusation. Well, thank you, Chad. Great to have you back on air. And before I jump into the answer, just wanted to say on behalf of all of our colleagues at the Star Tribune, how much we appreciate and miss and respected your father and wanted to share our condolences with you and your family over your losses. We, of course, have been doing in print, but wanted to do it over the air as well. So, Yeah, the coverage has been um, stupendous. My father would have loved it. The my father loved these two places, and uh, our whole family is, is still just touched. And both CCO Radio and the Star Tribune showed themselves to be the class organizations that they have that they have always been. So, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. And regarding this story that you referenced, um, interestingly enough, we had a conversation about this this morning amongst our colleagues. So, uh, this is a really significant story on every level. Voters have every reason to want to know more in terms of if true, who in the Republican Party approached this gentleman to run for office under what auspices. And has this happened in other congressional districts as well, particularly tight ones um, where you have candidates from one of the two legalizing marijuana parties here. So I do think it's a big story. I think that it's appropriate that we cover it. And I think it's highly inappropriate if indeed it's true and the GOP went uh, toward this or other individuals to do this in any level, in any race, if this happens. And, you know, there are histories of this happening in other states throughout the years. Um, This is not how democracy is supposed to work. And I think that the the voting public, Minnesotans, can and should expect better. You know, I uh, mentioned when we were discussing it this morning that I've reached the stage of life uh, where everything that happens reminds me of something that happened a long time ago. And uh, this was one of those cases uh, here in Minnesota uh, back in 2002. uh, It was the same congressional district, actually, the race between Bill Luther and John Klein. And uh, there was a fellow named Sam Garst who filed as a member of the No New Taxes Party. Uh, It subsequently turned out that he was a longtime associate of Luther's 
and that the candidate Bill Luther, or then incumbent Bill Luther, uh, had known about this and been part of staging this false flag candidacy. And it really was the undoing of uh, of uh, Bill Luther, although he was you know up against Klein for the third time then, might have lost anyway, but he lost uh, quite handily, partly because of the uh, you know d- displeasure of uh, the voting public with being deceived. And that's what this is about. There isn't anything illegal in something like this. It wouldn't appear anyway. But it's obviously an attempt to uh, deceive and mislead the voting public. Uh, and you know, nothing can be more antithetic to uh, democratic uh, principles than that. So it may be difficult to pin down in this case uh, as to where the truth lies, but uh, but certainly it's something that uh, is legitimate to look into. All right, Doug, let's, let's talk about another story that is national and that the president and his supporters still believe is a very valid story, and they don't believe the media has been fair covering it. It is Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, China, potentially a large deal. You now have uh, an individual named Tony Bobolinsky, I believe is his name. He spoke out last week, the night of the debate in Ohio. He's on with Tucker Carlson last night, uh, providing details. And what he said is just fraud and that the Biden family was profiting from this for a long time, and Joe Biden knew. Uh, tonight he's going back on t- uh, Tucker Carlson. He's going to provide recordings, he says. I know Fox News, as an example, their news site, not not the opinion host, they have said they could not verify the story. The Wall Street Journal, the same thing. They have said they don't have enough information. What is your view about what you know about this story and what what do you say to supporters of the president who will look at you know decisions that Twitter and made last week about uh, the New York Post who had this first who say this isn't getting publicity because it would benefit Joe it benefit Donald Trump and will hurt Joe Biden. Well, I'll go first. I you know I do think that some of the media organizations that have you know at least temporarily. Uh, you know, refused to give any air to this story and essentially tried to formally block it, have probably done more harm than good and, and created more of a sense that that there's something to uh, to be concealed here. I mean, obviously, Hunter Biden had some fascinating uh, business uh, dealings uh, over the years, and I don't know that there's anything illegitimate about uh, looking into it, but you know, it, so far, nothing of great import uh, vis-a-vis the candidate has has been substantiated here. And I mean, that's the that's the state of play. Uh, if Joe Biden gets elected president, I suspect we haven't heard the last of this, uh, and uh, and that's probably uh, that's probably appropriate. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I don't think that. If if some of these media decisions have been made with an eye toward helping Biden, I don't think they've succeeded at that. How about you, John? I would highly recommend to all of your listeners a really revealing column in the New York Times called The Media Equation, written by Ben Smith. And he goes into a deep dive on how the Wall Street Journal turned down this story, as DJ just accurately mentioned, 
And it begins by saying by early October that you had three people, a Arthur Schwartz, a New York public relations man who's close to Donald Trump Jr., um, White House lawyer Eric Hirschman, and former deputy White House counsel Stefan Passantino. And they came together, met with the journal. And I think the first tip-off is when you have a PR person and people so close to the White House and the re-election campaign for the President of the United States. That's not an independent source or independent journalism. And the journal took a very skeptical eye and passed on this story for many of the same reasons that DJ just mentioned. Quite compellingly, the journal editorial page did not, and they've had several columns more in support trying to advance this story. But I think it just shows that the professionalism of a newsroom is extraordinarily important in a time like this in America during a campaign. And the fact that they passed on it with all of the resources that they have and all the news judgment that they have tells me more about the story than what's being told on Fox News in the prime time hours when they obviously have an agenda and an objective to reelect the president at this point. As Dede just said, you know, there's no question that there's nothing wrong with the media looking into this clearly. Um, even the vice president has suggested that uh, his son made mistakes, and this is something that certainly has hurt him. But in terms of a full-blown scandal that the re-election campaign wanted this to develop into, the media hasn't bitten, not because of bias, but because they haven't been able to prove this independently whatsoever. Well, I would I would just add this, in, in, in fairness to the the Trump uh, supporters, I think they would raise a, a legitimate question in now how does the quality of this information compare with the quality of information with which the New York Times, the Washington Post, any number of other uh, national news organizations were, were perfectly happy to go with, with completely anonymous sources. Uh, over the course of years when it was uh, allegations of scandal involving President Trump. Uh, are the same standards being applied uh, to this story that were applied then? I, I think that's a fair question. Do you think they are, they are being applied equally? I don't, <laughs> I don't have enough information to say. I've got doubts. Let's put it Let's down. pause right here. The path to 270 in the state of Minnesota. Back with Rash and Tice in moments on CCO. We'll jump right back in, playing politics, partnership, the radio station, and the Star Tribune editorial board, DJ Tice, John Rash, John, you first. This is all about getting to 270. Uh, we know many people will say, I don't care about the polls. Look what the polls showed last time. I remind them again, on Election Day last year, Hillary Clinton was ahead by three. She won by two. The difference was in many states, in many of the battleground states, the state polling was wrong, uh, and the president pulled off a remarkable upset. The polling has been fairly stagnant for a while, with Joe Biden up nationally 8 to 10 points, many battleground states. He has a significant lead. We now have a Washington Post poll, ABC poll, where this suggests in neighboring state Wisconsin, where Joe Biden is up by 17. Doesn't seem possible to me that it's 17, but it is, it is a healthy lead. You first, sir. Is there a realistic path as we talk today for the president to get to 270 
electoral votes. Yes, but he'd have to replicate the bank shot that he basically pulled off in the 2016 election. That's going to be quite challenging to do. Doesn't mean it's not possible. And even some slight variance in the polls or a late surge in places like Pennsylvania could put the president in position to once again triumph. But the more likely scenario is that one of the states that it appears Vice President Biden has a lead in um, ends up going to President Trump, but that he's able to retain enough of the states that he has a slight or significant lead in. And by the way, those also include right now traditionally read Georgia and Texas as of today, where he slightly leads in both those states, according to some polls. Now, it may not be likely that he pulls off both of them, but the combination of electoral victories that Vice President Biden has at his campaign's disposal relative to President Trump makes it more likely that eventually he will be the victor in this presidential race. Doug, same question to you, and then also amplify on the column you wrote a couple days ago about Joe Biden. And for folks who just are judging Joe Biden, putting Donald Trump on the side and saying, has Joe Biden done enough to show that he should be the president of the United States? So answer both those. Yeah, well, on the horse race piece of it, I think John's got it exactly right. Um, all the conventional signs would suggest a pretty easy victory for Biden, but these are not conventional times. Uh, Trump is not a conventional politician, and the other wild card is the unusual election with the very heavy early voting, mail-in voting, and we just don't know how that's going to affect turnout and the makeup of turnout and so on. So uh, no hard and fast predictions, but the probabilities are uh, a Biden victory. Now, uh, the other question, yeah, one of the things that I said uh, the other day is that, uh, you know, this is an election all about one candidate, which is which is Trump. Uh, you know, we always say that an incumbent seeking re-election, uh, those elections are referendas on the incumbent, which is always true. But in this case, uh, I we've never seen one quite like this, where uh, almost Biden almost disappears from the scene. Uh, you know, Trump's personality, Trump's record uh, are the whole story. And uh, so in a sense, Biden doesn't have to do anything other than not be Trump and not make any gigantic mistakes that uh, uh, that overcome people's desire to, you know, get back to normal, uh, as, as they often think about it. So has he done enough in the political <clears throat> situation we're in? Yes. Uh, I, I worry that he hasn't done enough, uh, you know, to assure us that, that he and, and his moderate, very experienced, very sensible approach is really going to be calling the shots in a Biden administration as opposed to, you know, the many more, uh, more heated and more radical uh, uh, agenda, agendas that are at work in the Democratic Party today. I think that's about 20 you know, that's seconds people nervous uh, who yeah. are nervous. Uh, and I don't uh, I don't think Biden has satisfied those people yet. I'm up against the clock, about 20 seconds. Doug, you first. Are you surprised Trump is coming back here 
Friday in Rochester at five o'clock. A little, but clearly he's uh, you know he's looking to pull off some surprises, maybe even things that will surprise him. John, how about you? No, not surprised, and I think it's reflective of his narrowing path. He Minnesota isn't a must-win for him, but it is one of the few states where he really remains hopeful that he can pull off an upset and he's going to need some to be elected. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's also another reminder, too, that if you go to Rochester, you're going to get some coverage in Wisconsin. You're going to get some coverage Absolutely. in Iowa along with Minnesota. Enjoyed it. Stay well. We'll talk soon. John Rash and DJ Tice from the Star Tribune.